been looking forward to this uh, message coming uh, today. Um, Chris, uh, incidentally, just for you to be aware, is um, uh, speaking at New Heights Community Church today, so be praying for him uh, right now. Um, he'll be um, getting ready to be preaching in about 20 minutes. So, um, yeah, we're glad for, for Chris and, and for his giftedness, and uh, it's great that he's able to uh, share that uh, at other churches as well. So you got me today, and it's good to be able to be here. Um, this is the final um, psalm that we're going to be looking at um, this uh, in this series, um, and today's really going to be like a part two of building on the idea of singing and music that uh, Steve introduced last week. There was there was a couple of moments where Steve was saying things. I'm like. Huh. I was going to say that. What am I going to say? And you know what? The more I um, thought on that and prayed about it, I just saw that as just confirmation that um, it's great that God wants us to be able to be dwelling on uh, certain aspects of the Psalms together uh, for these uh, two weeks. Um, and so it's really uh, focus on this idea of singing and music being a natural part and indeed an incredibly important part of the Christian life. Um, in church music, um, if you've grown up as a churchy, um, you would have commonly heard the, the words being used, praise and worship. Um, did you, who, who here has grown up listening to and singing praise and worship music um, on a cassette tape at home from Integrity Music? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and all of these songs as we're growing up. Um, and more of you um, here might have uh, become Christian in more recent years. And your idea of praise and worship is um, just simply this idea of the song time that we have at church and, and what we do together. But it's commonly put together, praise and worship. What is praise and worship when we're talking about singing and music? Why do we commonly attribute these words in a service to be about songs? And what is it that the Lord might want us to be learning and taking home today when we contemplate praise and worship? Let's pray. Lord, we have been singing all morning words declaring praise to you. And so, Lord, we pray that the words from my mouth will be attributed in praise to your name. Pray, Lord, that our hearts will be open and prepared for whatever you want to share with us this morning. Encourage us, Lord, in our relationship with you as we finish off this psalm series today. Amen. So what is praise and worship? Well, as I mentioned before, for Tim Blatch, it was a common word in, in music circles. Um, for me, playing music a lot of my life and then um, being a music teacher um, as a profession in a Christian school, praise and worship was very much a part of chapel time and, and would be investing in a band and a team of people to be doing praise and worship music. And um, you pretty much... Um, if you didn't study it, you would come to this sort of an idea that, well, praise songs are the fast ones. 
They're the ones that will do which are really quick and fast, and worship songs, well, they're the slow ones. They're the ones which repeat the words over and over. They're the, they're the ones which you sing at the end. You always start with a praise song, start with a, a fast song, and then you progress through to the worship songs. That's, that's the sort of the way that we sort of go about it and do it. But praise and worship music isn't fast music and slow music, is it? But it, it's often attributed to that. Well, without knowing how or why, we might start with a, a song of praise and might be more upbeat and then it moves towards one which is more reflective and more in response, which we might call worship. But ultimately, it seems to be common to be used at church in preparing people to be in a place of openness to listen and to hear from God's Word during the sermon. And that's, that's a good thing. That's what we need. Praise and worship is a part of a preparation of heart to listen and to respond to the, common, to the coming message. Um, this is not a new thing that came out of, you know, the last 50 years or so of contemporary praise and worship music. Praise and worship has always been part of the Christian life. Billy Graham knew this. He would be walking, going around to different crusades and he always took along with him George Beverly Shea. Does anyone know that name here? A few of you have your hands up. George Beverly Shea, what an amazing guy. And he would often be singing as part of the Billy Graham crusades. He knew it was important to be having someone helping to prepare the hearts of people which will be listening to be ready to hear from God's word. But Billy Graham didn't invent this. He didn't suddenly go, oh, this is a good thing to do. Um, we have some of the great hymn writers which were often associated with a preacher or a travelling evangelist. John Wesley was a a famous preacher in England and um, very much a part of the Wesleyan Methodist start of um, um, denomination. His brother, Charles Wesley, he also preached a bit as well, but he was the music guy. John Wesley wrote music as well, but he wasn't as commonly known. Charles Wesley was the music guy. I grew up with probably nearly half of the hymns being by John uh, by um Charles Wesley in the Baptist hymnal. Um, he wrote over 6,500 songs. Can you believe that? What a creative mind. And they were hymns to the glory of God. And Can It Be is a famous hymn. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, another Charles Wesley song. D.L. Moody had um, a, a very well-known evangelist, um, had a guy that would often go to join him whenever he could to come and help him with the music. His name was Horatio Spafford, the person who on his way to go and help in the ministry of D.L. Moody lost his entire family in a um, tragic boating accident, shipping accident, and he wrote the song, When Peace Like a River. And it's used all the time, even now. Louis Giglio um, in the Passion Movement, which is uh, huge internationally and especially in America, would have regulars 
as being part of a passion band, people which are famous in the modern Christian music realm of David Crowder or Chris Tomlin or Matt Redman or Christian Stanfield and like pretty much a lot of the songs that we sing here are um, from songs which have been written as part of the Passion Movement and the Passion Conference. Um, a lot of you might know Greg Laurie um, who has even come and um, been uh, done a Harvest Crusade here in Newcastle many years ago. He regularly used to have the band Third Day go around and to be working with him and Toby Mack. Um, he also has other contemporary artists as well. But each of these people who are quite famous in being preachers often have had someone or a group of people coming around and being specific in this idea of uh, leading in praise and worship. It was intrinsically a part of the proclamation that Christ Jesus has come to set you free. So praise is, has a very important part in helping us to be open to hear from God. Why does it do that? Well, we often see praise as being a, um, a focus of everything that God has done. And worship is then a reflection of how do we respond of everything which God has done. Even in our service today and the general process of which we would run here at RTCC, we would start with a song or four uh, before we have a time of open worship or communion and then a message and we finish with a song. And the reason is practical and significant. Yes, it's good to have music starting at the beginning of a service, which is allowing the later people to arrive and not feel out of place when, the, when it's dead silence in the church, or um, it's, a, it's a helpful for that. That's, that's a practical way. Yes, we know that and we do it. Uh, no judgment. Everyone knows I'm often late to things. So it's, it's a relief to be able to come whilst the music's still playing. <laughs> um, yes, a song at the end of the service might be, oh, okay, the service is finishing, we're singing a song. It's the end, it's the full stop. Or it's the reminder for all of those which are in the kitchen to quickly go out there to start getting everything ready for morning tea. Or, you know, it's a signal. It could be a practical, but it's also significant. How do we respond to what we have just heard about the goodness of God and soaking in his word? It should want us to lift up our voices in praise. We want to lift up our voices alongside one another because we are thankful, we are responsive, we are glad for what we have just learnt. Music is a very important part of the Christian life. Incidentally though, praise isn't just limited to music in the church, is it? I mean, it's actually sort of built into our very being. A lot of you will have had um, kids just singing in the shower. Something comes to their mind and they just start singing. Or is that just my family? Uh, four girls singing in the shower. Let me tell you, it gets pretty rambunctious. Four girls. Four girls, yes. Lyndall doesn't sing as much in the shower. but And Reuben's not a girl, so... 
<laughs> Do you sing in the shower rooms? Sometimes? Plays the guitar. <laughs> Anyone watch the quarterfinal last night? It was a pretty epic quarterfinal, wasn't it? It went on and on and on, extension by half an hour, extra time, and then the penalty shootout. But did you see the close-ups of what happened when that final goal went in for Australia to indicate that Australia had won? You saw this eruption of everyone. It was a close-up of the person who had just um, had kicked the goal, and then behind him you see the crowd and you see this. It was wild. Probably also saw many more bellies showing there out in the crowd as well. You sort of lose, you sort of lose uh, uh, awareness of everything going around you. You are so excited. You are so uh, in the moment that you just want to lift your hands. This is so exciting. You start jumping up and down and hugging people and you show, saw people in tears because a goal was kicked. And then the crowd, as the commentators are speaking, start singing. We come from the land down under. And you start hearing the entire stadium singing. Very loudly. Shouldn't the church be like that? Do we have something bigger to sing about and to celebrate and to praise than a goal being kicked into a net? We so do, but why is it that we might go, oh, and it's fine when we're with our mates and we're doing all of that there, but, but here at church, it's, um, you know, oh, oh, I don't sort of sing much. Um, it's, uh, people might hear me. They definitely heard you last night. But what are we praising? And why is praise so important in the church and in the Christian's life. It's not just limited though to praising being intrinsically part of us when something significant and amazing has happened. It's, it's just wired into us to praise and to worship. Um, I haven't been to heaps of concerts. Um, they're very expensive. Um, but I did have the privilege of about 10 years ago going to see U2 in concert in Sydney. And um, it was a real eye-opening experience. One of the eye-opening experiences was, was, A, the musicians are just amazing. Like the edge on guitar. Woo! Great. And so I love that. But it was so interesting. They got to one stage where Bono started talking um, with um, the entire audience. The lights dimmed down. And he started to talk about... Um, uh, this specific project which he's um, supporting and people can give to that. The music's playing lightly in the background. And then he just stops talking and the music's just playing in the background as you know, encouraging people to think about whether they're going to give or not to this project. And I was in the bleeder section because it's stingy. Um, and I'm overlooking the thousands upon thousands of people in that auditorium and the whole bottom of the, the football field is, was full of people 
there and they had their eyes closed, their arms were lifted up, they're swaying to the music and uh, that was an incredibly sad moment for me. They're all wired to want to worship. They just have no idea who to aim that worship to or who deserves that worship. But we do. That should make a difference in our response to praise and um, worship and singing in church and in our personal lives. Praise lifts the heart. Praise settles the heart. It reminds us of how big God is and help our circumstances to become just that bit more smaller or at least manageable in the light of God being able to do far more than we can dream or imagine. Praise reminds us of God's power, his majesty, his love, his grace, his mercy, his wonder. It helps us to look up and around and see the Lord at work every day. It moves us into being reminded that our joy and our purpose is to bend the knee to the only one who is worthy, to bring our burdens before Almighty God, to realign our passions not to be things of earth, but on our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has set us free from the dying stench of sin, who paid the cost, which was death, a perfect sacrifice on the cross to rescue us and give us new life into the kingdom of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's the reminder that Jesus on the third day displayed his perfect power over sin and death by raising from the grave. The debt of sin has been wiped clean for those who would come to him for forgiveness and submit their lives to his reign. He has gone now to prepare a place for us, an eternal place at the table where there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, perfect submission. All is at rest. I, in my Saviour, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Praise does all of that. Hebrews 13 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. What does it mean to be praising God? The fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Psalm 100 says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge, there's the word again, that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen. So what place does our attitude need to be in to come and praise his name? All of those things should stir us up, should bring us joy as we reflect on who God is. But let's let's admit, do we always come to church and as we're walking into the driveway here at church, some of us might be taking a big breath, pause, stop, remind yourself to stop yelling at the kids who's just been driving you crazy trying to get here. And as we've often heard with good intent, and maybe I've even said it myself at the, um, in the past, when we say, you know, leave your burdens at the door as you come in. I actually think that's right. He doesn't want us to be coming into the door and, hi, it's great to see you all. It's great to be here at church. I'm just going to keep my mouth like this. So I'm just going to fake it because, you know, we need to shout with joy, with gladness. That's not what praising God is in church. God doesn't ask for fake praise and worship. Psalm 42 and 43 has a psalmist reflecting on this and says repeatedly in both chapters... Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In your circumstances, you come in and you start praising God because it reminds you of his goodness and his strength and his mercy being far greater than the circumstances you're finding yourself in right now. You will choose to say, yet will I praise my God. I will acknowledge with my lips a sacrifice of praise. So don't fake worship. Don't just come here and smile and you know, uh, do the things because you have to do them. But be intentional. Come with an attitude of saying, God, you know how I'm feeling right now. So I'm going to choose in my worship to start praising your name with these songs, reminding me of you being worthy of my praise. It's not about me. It's about you. I want to praise and I want to worship you, Lord. Make your name great and stronger so that I am completely distracted with the things which are just of this world. And I find joy again because of who you are. Right. That was the introduction. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) But we are going to look at the psalm, the final psalm, which we're going to look at um, as part of um, me talking about all of those things earlier. So I invite you to, to join with me in reading from Psalm 150. Psalm 150. This is from the ESV. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's Psalm 150. So today I'm not wanting us to really go around nitpicking about what praise is compared to worship. We often use those words synonymously. We often will attribute praise to being more about understanding what God has done and worship then is a response in that. But really, isn't that worship really praise to God anyway? Isn't that really what we do? Um, it is praise to God when we acknowledge him as being Lord and Saviour over our lives. So through the proclamation of his word and what he has done through voice and instrument, through proclamation, our human response or adoration is all part of our praise to him. Steve uh, started unpacking um, this with a bit of a, a similar idea in the last psalm last week. Um, so I decided, well, since I was on the right track, let's continue with the same with this psalm using the same tools that Steve used of why, who, and how, and in this week we'll add where um, when we look at this psalm. So Psalm 150, um, the question is why. Why praise the Lord? On Thursday night, um, we were here for music practice and I asked the team what sort of things that they were thankful for and what we can praise God for um, on Thursday night. And uh, Karen uh, shared with us, I'm thankful for memories. That made me pause. And the more I think about that, I thought that's a beautiful thing to be giving thanks for and praise. When we look at what it means to worship, memories. Why do we worship? Well, the first thing we can say is, look what the Lord has done. Great memories. Look what the Lord has done. Praise him for his mighty deeds, verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Really, this can hit strong, isn't it? If we can get excited about a football game and a goal being kicked and singing praise is spontaneous, how much more when we consider God's mighty deeds would we want to praise him according to his excellent greatness? Bob Coughlin is a well-respected music and worship pastor and mentor to musicians worldwide and he writes in this book, Worship Matters. I wanted to just read it out to you. Thanks, Luke. If you listen on the live stream, Luke gave me this book about 10 years ago. It's a great book. He says, Magnifying God's greatness as we learn from the Psalms also includes drawing attention to his works. Sing to him. 
Sing praises to him. Tell of his wondrous works, it says in Psalm 105, verse 2. His works are different from, but eternally linked to his character. One of our problems is we're often more impressed with what we do rather than what God has done. We're like those who do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, mentioned in Psalm 28. But the psalmist reminds us, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who choose to delight in them. Psalm 111. Corporate worship, that means people coming together and worshipping together, should help us become freshly acquainted with what God has done because we forget so quickly. So when we come and we start the Sunday service and we are singing, it's reminding us, look at what God has done. Remember, great memories, and it should stir us. God created everything from nothing and spoke the universe into existence with a word. He sustains all living creatures and non-living matter. His power holds all things together and keeps them from exploding or disintegrating. Psalm 111 is a condensed song of praise extolling God's works on behalf of his people. In this psalm alone, God is praised as the one who provides for us, keeps his covenant with us, delivers us, rules us, and redeems us. The psalms resound with the detailed praises of God's wonderful works. Nearly at the end. Our song should as well. The psalms serve as an example of praising God but only point to the fuller revelation of God's glory in Jesus Christ. The greatest of all God's works is by far the giving of his son at Calvary. It's only through Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross that we can draw near to God at all. Hebrews 10. In the cross, we find a perfect reconciling of God's blazing holiness, holy justice, incomprehensible wisdom, omnipotent power and unfathomable love. What a God we worship. As the psalmist said, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Psalm 86. These truths about God's word and worthiness and works aren't just for seminarians pursuing a theology, a theology degree. God has revealed them to us for our comfort correction, strengthening, protection, and joy. He has revealed them to us for our worship. The Psalms bring us to a place of worship. Psalm, by the way, just simply means a, a, a song of praise. That's, that's what it means. So when you say we're going to open up a psalm, it's a song of praise. And it's based on the word hallelujah. Praise to God. Has anyone ever, um, did you notice when I read um, Psalm 150, it says praise a little bit? There's been a bit of a um, conversation over the years. Oh, that song, it just repeats the words over and over again. Oh, here we go. And yet, um, when 
David is reminding himself, why are you down? He spends two chapters saying it. In Psalm 150, at the beginning of every line, it starts with saying, praise him. And then 1834, there was a hymn writer by the name of Henry Light. And his chorus says, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. And that word praise him is said 30 times in that hymn. It's a reminder. Remember, it's good to praise his holy name. So, why? Because we remember and we remind ourselves, encourage one another what God has done. Why? is what we have just looked at. Who, 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 who should praise the Lord? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I like that. Is there any human beings um, eliminated from that conversation? No, it's let everyone, as we all come in together, let everyone that has breath, Praise the Lord. God wants to remind each and every single one of us. And specifically for us which have um, been on the, um, uh, the other side of the new covenant, we remember the beautiful revelation that Jesus Christ has come to set us free. We are the people which will have the breath to praise the Lord. We want to do that. He has set us free from sin and death. He was the perfect sacrifice and the payment for our sin. It's inclusive. It's everyone. For all who shall believe in the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's inviting everyone to come and to praise his name for his wonderful works. Will you do that? That's the question. Will you praise him? Will you recognize what Jesus Christ has done for you? And then will you say, I will go out and I will speak and acknowledge with my lips the praise of his name. And so how do we do that? Well, the music part of me, teacher, comes out. I'm like pretty excited about this psalm. There's some pretty good instruments which are mentioned in here. This is good. Music is important. Steve said last week music's important because it's memorable. It's communal. We sing it together. And it's emotional. Music it is an important part of our worship to him. It's not exclusive to worship. We can worship without these things. But, but God seems to mention it regularly through his word that he appreciates it. He loves it. So why did he go through and list these instruments? Praise him with trumpet sounds. Oh, I like that one. I um, studied the trumpet um, when I was at the Conservatorium of Music. Trumpet was my major. Um, I grew up playing the trumpet uh, in high school. My mum over here has probably got many memories. I don't know if she wants to praise God with those memories of me blasting that trumpet out in my bedroom. I know that the donkey about five acres away would always appreciate my trumpet playing and would join in with me. 
as, as I was going along. I'm sure my sister in the bedroom next door didn't really appreciate the trumpet playing because trumpets are loud. Trumpets cut through. Trumpets go a long distance in their sound. Trumpets are often attributed to very, very high-end events, um, announcing someone very important. It's often used as a jubilee. It's used as a means of shouting out and saying, this is the moment. Trumpets are great. I love it. But trumpets are loud. And then straight after that, he says, praise him with the lute and the harp. Well, God didn't tell David to go into the presence of Saul and play the trumpet. Did he? He says he went with his harp. And it was soothing. Totally different in its sound. Totally different in the way it's played. Completely different materials. The lyre as well, or, you know, the modern equivalent would be guitar. Again, very different. So we have a brass instrument. We have stringed instruments. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Here we go. Uh, tambourine is often used throughout all the ages as a means of celebration. Uh, the tambourines are used to, 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 as, as a public performance of celebration of something that God has done. And dance... Um, there's a f- quite a few different commentaries with different idea of whether it was really dancing, which is, you know, dancing, or whether it was actually to refer to some other instrument, but they don't know what that is. But more and more when you see dance and you see how David um, danced, um, it's again, when you are excited about God, you can't help but wanting to move around and celebrate and shout and be excited about him. So dance is very appropriate there. Praise him, and he says it now, combining them together. Praise him with strings and pipe. So individually, praise him together with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to just have just cymbals playing? Just everyone has a cymbal. Maybe. Some people, all the drummers might go, yeah. Is Thane here? Yep. Thane would say, yeah. And then it says, plays him with loud clashing cymbals. It's probably indicating a different type of cymbal, a bigger one or a lower one. It's, it's you, with these cymbals and then these cymbals, you know, loud clanging cymbals. He's got them all together. They're all there, yet they're all very different in their nature. And the psalmist is careful to be naming specific instruments. All of these instruments are good, but if all you ever heard was a trumpet sound, yeah, you know, or if all you heard was a was a drum sound, let's let's try that, hey, hey, Micah, hop up on the drums for us. Why don't you play us a beat? You love this, don't you? (laughs) We 
could do this all day, couldn't we? Just have this playing. It is good. Micah is doing a great job. I really appreciate him, the music team. But it's probably, you know, why don't we just add another instrument, hey, Daniel? Why don't you come up and play something? Yeah, give them a hand as they're coming up. Works pretty good. Whilst he's getting ready, Lindy, you could might as well come over there and you can probably come in and join in as well. Daniel, why don't you play something for us? Yeah, that works all right, doesn't it? It's quite nice. You could do that, just have that. Maybe turn the music down a little bit. Oh, yeah, next bit of piano comes and joins in the background. That's nice. Yeah. Needs something with a bit of a uh, spunk, doesn't it? Just something with a bit to cut through, like a trumpet. I didn't bring my trumpet. Ruben's got his electric guitar here, though. All right, Rubes. Why don't you shred a little bit on guitar? Joins in, all right. And often when we're working or when we're doing stuff, we might have some music playing in the background and it helps to set a mood, doesn't it? It helps us to be able to be reminding ourselves of what's important in life. And it is important part of setting mood and everything like that in church as well. But the whole main purpose of music and this idea of praise, whether it's with a trumpet, whether it's a lute and a harp and tambourines, there's this implication of doing it together and it's best with voice. So, uh, girls, when you come down. All right. So, I reckon you could probably sing a song with this, couldn't you? Yeah? You ready? One, two, three. Oh, there you've got the... this song, I might put up the words and it goes like this. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me, and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love. Would you stand up and let's sing this again? Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart, let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing of when your love came down. Sanctuary can be referred individually. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman when commenting about Jews worshipping at the temple in Jerusalem and Samaritans worshipping nearby mountain on Mount Gerizim, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers 
will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Individuals to come and worship him. Not necessarily going to a mountain. All right. John uh, 4.23 was where that was. There's also in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So we are actually part of God's sanctuary. So wherever we go, we can praise him in the sanctuary. We are part of where God dwells. Corporately, coming to church here, gathered together. Jesus says in Matthew 18, wherever two or more are gathered together, there I am in the midst. His sanctuary is where two or more are gathered together. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. He dwells in his presence here as we are worshipping him in his sanctuary. But it says also in his mighty heavens and it's all attached Hebrews 8 verse 1 says, We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. And finally, more specifically, we see a new heaven and a new earth being revealed in Revelation uh, 21. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Jesus is the sanctuary. So when we're praising God in his sanctuary and he dwells with us, it is intrinsically connected to who Jesus is and all that he has done, that we are worshipping him. So praise him in his sanctuary. For us, we can look at these ideas knowing that our sanctuary is where Jesus is. Praise God. I want to finish now with this thought about praising God in his sanctuary because it brings us back to the beginning of the message about the why of praise and worship. We've talked about that we're all wired to want to praise something. We are wired to want to worship. But we need to decide who are we going to praise and worship. You need to make those decisions. Will you choose to praise the one even if you don't feel like it? Not faking it but saying, you are worthy of my praise. And when I start uttering you from my lips, everything changes. I'm reminded that you are worthy. And I don't have to see this world around me become strangely dim. For those who have come to this blessed conclusion that there is no one worthy but the Lord God Almighty, it should make us want to sing his praise and sing it forever. What does it look like to praise and worship God and sing of his love forever? What does songs and prayer and praise and worship the Psalms have in connection with God, a holy God in his mighty heavens? I invite you to finish by reading Revelation 4 with me. 
If you've got your Bibles, turn to Revelation 4. After this, I looked and a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in spirit and behold, I love that. We're going to be looking at that. A throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald and around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God and before the throne there was at were as were a sea of glass like crystal and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes front and behind the first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox the third living creature with the face of a man the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight and the four living creatures each of them with six wings full of eyes all around them and within and day and night they never cease to say this is a pretty fantastic, incredible image, which we don't understand at all. And the primary purpose is to never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Chapter 5. And then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out throughout all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. 
want you to pause on that. Amongst this incredible worship service taking place in heaven, the 24 elders are holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. What an incredible, holy scene described of what worship is like before the throne. And there in the midst of it is the prayers of the saints being held as incense. The songs that we are singing to God and praise and, and worship and giving to him is being held as a sweet-smelling incense to our Lord God. We are part of this incredible worship in his sanctuary. That should make us want to praise God, that he loves to hear our voice. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise the everlasting King. Amen.